Well, good morning. My name is Tony. I'm pastor here at LAFC. I want to welcome you. I know there's a lot of visitors here this morning because likely you are related to one of the children up here, or perhaps you're a friend and your friend invited you uh, to come to see their child perform and, and to sing, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It, there's a lot of energy with this, this group on stage, and uh, I find myself captivated by their faces, uh, looking around, seeing their smiles and the sincerity of their passion as they sing. Uh, we are now in the midst of the Advent season, and we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks what it means to be a blessing as part of being blessed. And so we're going to turn into uh, Matthew chapter 13. If you have a Bible with you, you can go there or a Bible app, go to Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers would be glad to provide you one. And if you don't own a Bible, please take this as a gift from us. The word bless is often in our language. I mean, you'll hear somebody, whether they're religious or not religious, use the term blessed or bless you or blessing. We often use it, though, primarily even with strangers at the infamous point when somebody sneezes, you say, bless you, right? And if you're religious, you might say, God bless you. Um, you know, but when you think about it, is there anything else that creates that moment where complete strangers find it normal to be spoken to? Sneeze happens, stranger says, bless you. Now, have you ever thought what you're actually saying to that person? When you say bless you, what are you saying to them? You know, it's interesting. We don't often think about what the term blessing means. And, and when you're saying bless you to somebody that sneezes, you're just saying it because that's what you do. Well, there's moments when sneezes can be quite awkward. When you sneeze and you have a microphone on your head, like I do right now. That would be awkward. And it would be very uncomfortable for your ears if that was to happen. There are others in this, in this church that uh, in first service, there's a, a dear friend of ours who, um, when she sneezes, everybody stops in the room. They quit listening to me, and they turn around to see if that woman is okay. <laughs> she and I have talked about it. We're good. We understand it because I also have big sneezes. In fact, my most embarrassing moment, I shared this a few years ago, my most embarrassing moment is connected to a sneeze. While using a urinal in college, I sneezed and hit my head on the flusher, and it knocked me out. <laughs> there, I said it. And there was nobody there to say, bless you. <laughs> True story. All the way. Goose egg on my forehead for days. People saying, what happened to you? And then it, it just doesn't go well when you're a college student saying that story. But the term bless actually means this. And this is very interesting because we get it from the Old Testament. It is a commonly used term in the Old Testament. And it, it comes from the Hebrew word barak, which means to kneel. Interesting. So if you were to go literal with the term, you'd be saying to somebody when they sneeze, Kneel. <laughs> kneel. Kneel before me. Bless you, kneel. 
I mean, think about it. That's really strange, isn't it? But it actually is figured into something greater. You see, when a knight is knighted, they're technically being blessed. They're being blessed by somebody greater, all right? And so in the Hebrew Middle Eastern culture, when somebody is being blessed, it's coming from somebody who has much, either by position or possession. They have much, and then they pass a portion of it on to another. That's what it means to bless. So if you are a position, you take of your position to bless and esteem another, to cause them to go to a, maybe a higher position. Or if you bless someone out of your possession, you're taking from what you have so that they have more than what they had before. That's what it means to bless. So as a result, you're improving the other's position, you're encouraging them, you're strengthening them, and that's the meaning of the word to bless. That word occurs 122 times from Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament books. But it only occurs in that form 10 times in the New Testament. Now that's very interesting. So you have a word that is so commonly used from kings to subjects, from prophets to listeners, from God to individuals, and yes, even God to nation. We see bless, I bless you, or blessings to you. You will be blessed. You see that 122 times. But for some reason, in the New Testament, from the Gospels where we're telling the story of Jesus to the epistles and the, and the, and the final uh, sub topic in the book of Revelation where it talks about the future, only 10 times do you see that word. However, in the New Testament, which we have as the earliest markings from the Greek, the word makarios is the word that you, you see there. And it means to be made fortunate or to be fortunate or made joyful. That word we see many times, and it's translated in the English word blessed or blessed, depending on how you want to say it. So the, while the word bless, to bless someone, is only 10 times in the New Testament, Blessed or blessed is mentioned 88 times in the New Testament. So something is clearly transpired that has caused a shift in the terminology from Old Covenant or Old Testament to New Covenant, New Testament. What has changed? God has clearly taken up his position in the Old Testament and blessed people. He tells Abraham, I am going to bless you and your offspring so that they can be a blessing to all peoples. So that is there. But for some reason in the New Testament, you keep hearing over and over, you are blessed. You are blessed. And blessed are those who have blessed. Over and over again in the New Testament, it's different. It's, it's, it's a person that has received already, and therefore there is something to give or to offer. So why is it the switch that we go from God or people of position doing the blessing to all of a sudden it speaks of many being blessed? I believe we get a little bit of the window into this in this passage in Matthew chapter 13. 
It's a moment that is very unique with Jesus and his disciples. He has just shared a parable of the various types of soil that seed can fall on. He talks about the hardened path that people walk on, that when seed falls on it, it's impenetrable. And then you get the, the, those seed that fall on soil that is uh, thorny and, and so on, where, where things grow up among that seed, and the seed might start, but it tends to get choked out by the thorns. And then it talks about seed that falls on stony ground, and, and things can grow on stony ground, but if they require roots that go deep, it only gives birth to a little sapling only to die out because it does not have the sustenance it needs. But then seeds that fall under soil that has been taken care of and is, and is very fertile, it can not only grow, but it'll grow and produce fruit. So Jesus shares this parable, but he does not give its meaning initially. So the disciples, puzzled by this particular parable, say this, verse 10, why, Jesus, do you speak to people in parables? Jesus' response is this. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from him, them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they don't hear. You will, and then it says to them, it is also said of them in the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's hearts have become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, or blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. So let me pause there for a moment. So basically, you have this parable that, that is one of the most well-known parables that Jesus speaks. And he's spoken it, and he's not given its meaning. And it finally, after many other parables he had spoken, it was this parable that caused him to say, why do you keep speaking in these stories, these simple storylines? And Jesus basically calls out what they could not see up to this moment is that yes, Jesus would speak the truths about who God is and his heart and his desire to redeem not only the people of Israel, but all peoples of the world. And that yes, the Messiah would come and he would be a suffering Messiah, not a conquering Messiah as they might think as a general would come into the land. But as they hear this message, there are people hearing from Jesus and some of them, some of them are like that hardened soil. Like it's that walking path. You can drop as much seed as you want. It's never going to take root. The ground's not ready. It's hard. In fact, he talks of birds snatching it up immediately as food for them. 
And then he speaks of those that fall among the thorns. And it's like, yes, those are the, that's where what the things I say, they, they hear it for a moment. It takes a little bit of a root, but then the worries of life choke it out. Then he speaks of the truths that he speaks into those whose hearts are like that of stone. There might be a little crevice of dust or dirt in there that something can take root. But as soon as anything hard, like a harsh wind or a difficult hot day comes, guess what happens? It shrivels up. It doesn't have anything to protect it because it's growing in a rock. But then he says, some people hear what I have to say and they get it. They understand it. And they let what they've heard go deep into their hearts. And as a result, things can grow. As the disciples hear this, they had to be dumbfounded because here it is. This is the greatest communicator in the history of mankind, past, present, and future. He is the Son of God. He has the ability to open the hearts that are most hard and most difficult. He has the ability to make the most blind of people have their eyes open right before him that this man who they had seen perform great miracles is saying, not everybody who hears me receives me. Not everybody who hears me and tries to put into practice actually trust in me. They, they begin to worry and control things on their own and it dissipates. And yes, even some people hear me, but they don't let it really go to their heart. And so when things get difficult, they bail. The greatest communicator of all time described the hearts of people just like that. He had the options of opening every heart. He had the ability to cause any of the, any of the most cold and darkened people to get it. But even he said, they won't. Many will not, but some and many will. What is interesting is that he says that those who have been given the gift to see will have a clear perception. I mean, look what it says in verse 14. It says, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. And it says, they will ever be hearing but never understanding. They will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. So basically saying this, there are many who can see some incredible things, the evidence that God is real. And they can see the evidence that Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, lives can be changed. But there are many that will just simply not get it. You might have people in your life that you've been interacting with for years and you've shared why you do what you do and they look at you as if you came from another planet. You know what I'm talking about? They don't get it. They see what you're doing. They can even see that it can be good. But they do not get the perception. They, do, they don't get the full understanding of it. You can even speak to them and many of them you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. For those of you my age or older, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm 25. And uh, so you, you've got this situation that's like he's saying, listen, there are many here that will hear me, they will see me, but they won't get it and they won't understand. 
that had to be discouraging because they're thinking, if Jesus is speaking with all the things he can do and all the power that he speaks with, how in the world are we ever going to be heard? How in the world are we ever going to be seen and understood? But yet Jesus says, there will be some who will get it. And look what it says back in, in verse 12. Whoever has been given the opportunity to again see and get it and to hear and understand it, it says they will be given more. And they will be given abundantly. So not only will there be some that will hear and understand and some who will see and get it and understand the picture, but Jesus says that group of people, they'll be given more and they'll be given it in abundance. And then it says those who do not get it, the hearing, they don't understand. The seeing, they can't make sense of it all. He says that even what little they have, it'll be taken from them. It just goes. But then this key verse in verse 16, where it says, but blessed or blessed are your eyes because they see and they can perceive. Blessed are your ears for they can hear and they can understand. Do you understand what Jesus is actually saying here? That if you have understood the gospel of Jesus Christ, to understand why this son of God, that God out of his love for you and I, gave him to us so that he could live a life that shows life victoriously and then ultimately have that life snuffed out by death on a cross that was not due him. It should have been our death that on the third day he would raise again from that grave so that we could have life victoriously and have all sins covered once and for all. That if you get that and you receive that, you are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. And what you've been given, God will give you more in abundance. Amen. Do you understand? You are the most blessed people if you got everything I just said. Nobody has more than you. And, no, and not only do you have much, he says he'll keep giving you more and more to where it is overflowing. It is abundant. But there comes something with that. Verse 23, as he's explaining the meaning of the parable and the different types of heart that are hearing the seeds of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, he says about the soil that actually gets it, the soil that actually understands, the soil that receives it is meant for something. Verse 23, it says, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. So they hear and they see. And this is the one who then will produce a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Okay, wait a second here. So I just said, you're the most blessed people on the face of the earth if you got what I said before that. The meaning of the gospel, what Jesus has done for you. But it also says that those who are blessed produce. Because if the soil of the gospel is truly taking root in your life, 
it will produce a harvest a hundred, sixty, or thirty times over. Meaning that God doesn't sow the gospel in a person's heart just so they can understand, just so they can perceive and see, just so that they can benefit. But no, he does this in your life so that as you benefit, you now have this abundant blessing that's to be passed forward to another. That is part of the gospel. That it's not meant just for you and I to receive and be blessed people walking around saying, I get it, you don't. I understand, sorry you don't. I'm getting more, you're getting less. But if you withhold the blessings of what God's done in your life, you are operating in that same manner. Jesus says this. Now, I, I, that may have sounded harsh, but look at what Jesus says in Luke 12, 48. It's going to be on the screen. But the one who does not know and does not understand the things deserving punishment will be beaten with just a few blows. From everyone who has been given much, will be demanded, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Do you realize what this is saying? Is that if you are part of the blessed ones that are being blessed abundantly, that this is meant to be a, a something that produces a harvest. And Jesus even says that the one who doesn't get it, the one who doesn't understand, the one who doesn't hear, the one who doesn't see and perceive and get the full picture, that person will be held into account, but not as much as the person who got it. Not as much as the person who's received it. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You see, it was not meant for you and I to be blessed and blessed abundantly and to hoard it for yourself. We weren't meant to be hoarders of the blessings of God. It was meant to be something that as we receive, and we've received this in abundance, we have the opportunity to give. I mean, we go back to the meaning of the word bless. It's a person of position that gives of what they have to encourage and build up another, to esteem another, or to be a blessing as, or blessed of someone else. It says we can make them more joyful and to then also help them be more fortunate. How can we make somebody more joyful and somebody more fortunate unless you are fortunate and you're joyful? That it's out of that joy that you have and that fortune that you have of being somebody who understands because you've heard and received and you've seen and you get it. That out of that, there's an opportunity by abundance to give to another. But we must not lose the fact that with that comes a greater account before God because we know his blessings. We know his blessings. We know him and we know his blessings. And therefore, there's a greater account. And with us having been given much, of course, he expects us to give much. If we've been generously given to, then should we not be generously giving away? And if we have much, as this text says, then God will certainly ask very specifically of us to give more. Now, in this text, 
Jesus says many things that are not found in the Gospels. Will we find out other things that he said later? So in the book of Acts, Paul refers to something Jesus said that is not found in the Gospels. But you can see that it's connected to everything in the Gospels. So here's Paul speaking in Acts 20, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by his kind, this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more fun than what Jesus is saying. It is more fun to give than to hoard. Sounds like a strange statement to say, but it's true. The more that we receive the blessings of God and we experience what it means to go through a hard season of life, but have God carry you through, you've been blessed. Imagine going through that hard thing without God's care and coverage through it. When you have purpose to life, knowing that you have, know what tomorrow can be, that you don't know what tomorrow can hold, but you don't mind because God knows what's tomorrow and you trust in that. Imagine how much security you walk with today because you know God has tomorrow. Take away a God who protects you and cares for tomorrow and I give you today a day of fear. A day that's very different. A day where you might actually get anxious about tomorrow. You've been blessed. And you walk every day in that blessing. And yet Jesus says, it is more of a blessing, an experience, to not only receive, but to give. A few years ago, in fact, it was in the year of 2000, my daughter was two years old, and going in for another surgery. She had, I believe, six surgeries in her first two years of life. Imagine, some of you have done this before, where you walked your infant to the doors of an operating room, only to have to stop there and hand it over to people you do not know. We had to do that multiple times with our daughter in her first couple years of life, and it was very difficult. But what was unique about this particular time was that we had just left the church, Hershey Free Church, as, as the junior high pastor there, and had gone to West Shore Evangelical Free Church at, uh, that's in Mechanicsburg. It's, you know, West Shore is the west side of the Susquehanna River. Amen. Some of you have never been there before. It, you don't need a passport to cross the bridge. You might need an easy pass, but you don't need a passport. But when we went to that side of the river, one of the things that we were concerned about is that we've been cared for so deeply by those at Hershey Free Church because our first five surgeries were while we were on staff there and we felt so loved and cared for by that church. And then we go to the, this new church and now we've only been there for a few weeks. We know hardly anybody. And we didn't, we'd already had this surgery scheduled. And so a lot of people didn't know that we were doing this, but we didn't really have friends yet. So we go to Hershey Medical Center. We cross back over the river. We have the surgery. While Kira was in surgery, a, an older couple that were in their 80s came in. I recognized them but I could not remember if I knew them from Hershey or West Shore. It's one of the things that happens when you served at multiple churches. 
But they came in and they had a balloon in their hands. They had a gift basket there. They gave us some things that, that we could eat and drink while we were in the waiting room. And then they, they uh, also had gifts that for when Kira would wake up that she'd be able to smile and be pleased. We're looking at them just saying, why would this couple who does not know us come in and bless us in that manner? We had told no one that we could think of that would possibly lead them to know that we were going to be in the hospital. We felt so blessed by them. Their names were Frank and Peg. As much as I was blessed as a dad under stress and concern for a daughter, that moment of kindness cut through that room for me. But I'll tell you, as much joy as I felt in that moment, it inspired me that the next time we were in the hospital and we saw people that were going through the journey, but after us, I remember getting something to eat for somebody who I did not know and giving a drink to somebody I did not know and discovering that I had even more joy in that moment to see a smile and a shocked face of unexpected kindness when I passed forward what I learned from Frank and Peg. As much joy as I received from them, I had more joy in the moment knowing that somebody came into that room today not having any connection to a church, not knowing who Jesus was and offering just water and something to eat and how it blessed them. I also learned something else from Frank and Peg. Hospitality. It was Frank and Peg that came up with this idea that when new people come to West Shore Evangelical Free Church, what if we had them over for a breakfast so that they can meet some of the people from West Shore? My wife and I experienced that several times at their house. And so when we came to LAFC, the blessings that we received being in Frank and Peg's house, we now pass on to you. We've had almost 800 people come through our house in the last eight years doing the newcomer's breakfast. We have been blessed and given much, and now we're able to press on and pay, pay that forward to others, that they would come in, complete strangers, into our house, be welcomed by our barking dog and my daughter and my son and the smell of good food and then a bunch of staff people that you think, how in the world could this motley crew lead anything? <laughs> it truly is one of the most joyful experiences of our year when we have those breakfasts at our home. I've also experienced the joy of being part of a greater blessing. Every year on Christmas Eve, since my children were little, we've had the, the, the tradition of going out for breakfast on Christmas Eve morning. Going to a local restaurant when we were on the West Shore, we'd go into Dillsburg to this little dive of a place and have our breakfast. But when we came over here, all of a sudden there's all these different options. But our first, our second year being at this restaurant locally, doing Christmas Eve breakfast, it came time to pay the, the bill. And so I asked for 
the check from the waitress and she said, I'm sorry, but it was already paid for. It's like, wow, that, thank you. And I said, can I ask who? And they said, well, we're not supposed to tell you. And I was like, okay, thank you very much. So then I remember talking with my wife and, and kids. It's like, well, let's pay for somebody else's. And so we began to look around and we even did a little prayer. God, who do you want us to give to, to make sure that their day is also joyful? So then we called the waitress over. We pointed to a table where these two women were sitting and we said, can we pay for their breakfast? And she smiled and said, yes. And she said, thank you for keeping it going. You see, two hours before we arrived, somebody paid for somebody's breakfast who then somebody else paid for somebody else's breakfast, who then paid for somebody else's breakfast, and you get it, two hours later, we are paying for somebody else's breakfast. There were people that walked into that restaurant that morning, maybe just doing the traditions like we have, but they walked away smiling more than ever. And for me, as, as joyful as it was to have had my breakfast paid for, it was much more joyful to have paid for another. You see, this is the beauty of when somebody says, I've been given much. And therefore, out of that, I just want to give and bless another. So Jesus is not lost upon words here when he says, it is truly more of a blessing. You are blessed more to give than it is ever to receive. I've enjoyed receiving. Trust me, it's been a joy to receive but nothing like being able to give. Nothing like that. So can I share one more story again, just to help you understand how blessings can just keep paying forward. Four years ago, we had a small little project here at LAFC to expand our parking. And some of you experienced that this morning as to why we needed more parking. Amen. <laughs> Sorry if you had to park over at Witness Park. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you are talking to a group of people like I have to do about saying there's a need for more parking, you want to give to it too. It's not, it wouldn't be right for us to ask of you to consider giving above and beyond tithe to help do something like parking if you yourself are not doing it. So my wife and I made a decision that we were going to give a certain amount of money in this one year that we were going to be giving to that parking lot, blacktop of all things. But as part of that, we were going to forego a couple of things. Our Christmas was not going to be at the same level of, ex of, of expense. But the biggest thing that we made a decision on is that we were not going to follow through with a table, a new dining room table that we were planning to purchase. You see, we had a, at the time a table that could only hold six people max. But we were regularly having people over that was beyond six. And so we wanted to get a table that would hold more than that. We found a table we loved that was made by Amish people. You know, their, their craftsmanship is beautiful. We made the decision. We made the selections. And we were ready to order it. But then we made this decision that we're going to give to Blacktop at LAFC. 
So we decide, let's call the place and tell them, we're not going to be able to get that table right now, but please don't get rid of the, the paperwork on it because we do hope someday we'll order that table. I said, well, it's already paid for. And, and I'm like, what do you mean it's already paid for? They said some people from LAFC showed up and said, we want to buy this table. We heard it's on order here. I have no idea how anybody even knew. It was not a decision to withhold getting that table or even to buy that table that I made public. But somehow, it was understood and heard, and a group of people went and bought us that table. But here's the thing. That was done anonymously, so we have no idea who to have at that table. So instead, we've invited many people to sit at our table to be a blessing to others. And it's not every time we have more than our four at that table, I think of the gift that was given by having that table. Because as soon as we go beyond four, we're filling it and going beyond because it can seat up to 10. And I think about the tremendous blessing and the gift that we received. Even our dog was a gift from somebody here in this church. They had no idea that my wife prayed on one day, Lord, can you provide a dog? And the next day I get a text message, do you know anybody that needs a dog? <laughs> Blessings come in all shapes and sizes. I am not poor. This church takes very good care of us. But yet I keep being blessed by many people. And God help me if I do not pay that forward. I've been blessed with much. Why would I want to keep it for myself? You have been blessed with much. Why would you want to keep it to yourself? And in the case of being those who have understood, that have heard the gospel, that have seen the gospel play out in their life, that you get the perception of it, that you understand why Jesus did what he did, that if you've received and understood that far, you have been blessed beyond measure. Why would you withhold it? Why wouldn't you let the work of that be shown and evidenced in your life by being a person who is generous and kind and doing things that people would not expect? So I have a challenge for you in light of this Advent season. Would you today, before you rest your eyes, now some of you that might be right now, you're resting your eyes, and some of you might be resting your eyes during the Eagles game later. I'm not talking there. When you put it down for hours, okay? And that might still be talking about some of you this afternoon. But when you go to bed tonight, before then, would you write down how you have been blessed by God. Write down all the things you can think of, how God has blessed you. Write it all down. And then consider this. What do you have in blessings from God that could be shared with another? What do you have that has been a blessing from God that could be shared with someone else? which then leads to this other action point. Would you be willing, each day during Advent, shock someone with an unexpected act of kindness 
that blesses them and gives them joy and gives of some of the fortunate experiences we have in God and gives it to another when they did not see it coming? Would you choose to do something like that each day? And we're talking, this can be at different levels that can happen, like today you may only see your family. What could you do within your family, your own household, today that could truly bless one of them unexpectedly? And tomorrow when you go to work, or tomorrow when you go to shop, or maybe you get bumped into by that person that is so frantic about buying the next gift, is there something you can do? Maybe it's buying the, the meal that's in the, in the drive-thru behind you and say, what's the meal going to cost behind? Can I, can I pay for that? Get creative. How can you take from the abundance you have and bless another? Let's pray. Jesus, we've been given much. And my guess is that if we truly sat down and thought intentionally about all the ways you've blessed us, it'd be quite a document. We've been given much. And for those of us that understand Jesus, those that get it and can see more clearly Jesus, we've been blessed. But Lord, let us not keep it to ourselves. Inspire us to think as you think and see as you see so that we can pass this on to other people, that they may be more fortunate for having run into us. May we be blessings, walking blessings to others. In the name of Jesus, the one who blessed us. Amen. It says in Numbers chapter 6, this following priestly blessing. It says this, The Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This was a priestly blessing that was meant to be given to the priest to say over the nation of Israel, who were to be blessed by God so that they could bless all peoples of the world. So you have here, the Lord bless you, and keep you and be gracious to you and his face be upon you so that you can have peace. And for those of us that have received that and been blessed, guess what we get to do? We get to say the same thing to another. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and have peace. What a better season of time to bless others with such a statement. So as those who have been recipients of the blessing, go out and not hoard, but to give, and to give freely of another. If you'd like to talk to someone this morning or pray with someone about a situation, we'll have people over here to my right, your left, they'd be glad to pray with you and be a blessing to you. But as you go, there isn't one last opportunity. This is not a manipulation whatsoever. It's just reality. We have a very important thing that's about to happen in February. We've been doing open houses in the office so that people can see the office, but we've given a pamphlet out 
for people to pray over. We have a lot of needs that begin day one that is some likely time around late February that we go into the new building. We need people, and in first service, I accidentally said the word go-kart. We have people that are driving golf carts out in the parking lot. You bless other people when you help them get from the far reaches of the parking lot into the building. You bless people when you open the door for them. You bless people when you show them the way. You bless people when you greet them. You bless people when you serve as helpers in the kids' ministry. You bless those who can actually go into the service without their child and be able to hear from the gospel. You bless others by being ushers in that time, by collecting offerings. You bless other people that if there is an issue that requires security, that we have people that can serve and meet that need. You see, there's so many different ways that we as a church can bless one another. So what I would ask is that if you've prayed over that and considered that, there are two ways you can respond. We have set it up on our website that you can literally go on there and check different ones you're interested in, and you'll receive a response from us. Or you can go and sign up directly at the sign up at the connection counter in the back. And so we need all hands on deck. So if this is your church, we need you. In some facet or form, we need you so that you can be a blessing to all those who might come in our doors. And you also get blessed by each other in the way you serve. So having said that, may the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you so that you can in turn be gracious to another and bless another. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.